Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my Happy Hanukkah. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. When you look at that, isn't that glorious? It's indescribably beautiful. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Is the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. Tosh. Oh, 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 it's the 30-something movie podcast and a bunch of jolly old elves here. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm jolly. I care. Can't see the line, can you, John? No, you can't, Pat. Yeah, we're here very... Pat is here. How are you doing, Pat? Hey, Bo is here. Yo, yo, Pat. Pat looks like you look like you're on the floor. I am on the floor. The cats are 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 raising cane. If, at, at the oh, yeah. at the end of the last, I should have turned the camera and showed you guys. At the end of the last episode, the two of them were squared off like Rocky and Apollo, and just nice. absolutely boxing each other. And it was like it was they were just batting each other in the face. So I kind of have them separated so they don't kill each other, and I'm I'm trying to keep them amused. So you you are the human steel cage in the steel cage match. I am the human steel cage. Okay. This is a SummerSlam 7 is happening in Pat's oh. living room. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. And what's also interesting is that Doodle stocks stalks from below. So he comes out like in the underbrush and he'll come at you from below. Okay. Cheddar will jump up on something. He'll be up on a chair or on the table or on the cat tree and he comes down from you on top. It's over Doodle. I have the high ground. Yeah. Yeah, but Doodle sometimes, he just waits for it, and then Cheddar comes, and then all of a sudden Doodle flips him over and is like biting him on the neck and bopping him in the face and all that. But I'm, And I'm, Cheddar gets a hold of his tail, and it's just, it's unending. And I'm picturing you as Muldoon sitting there going, clever Doodle. <laughs> yeah, I'm just watching it all happen. Yeah. All right. Well, our movie this time, I'll give you a little bit of a clue as to what our movie this time around is. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. Make my wish come. It's all I want for Christmas. I wasn't going to finish the rest of the song. That's better for all of us. That's fine. She's she's had since after Halloween to start singing that thing. So I'm it's I'm, crazy. I'm cutting her off. Like it's there's it's enough of that. She was on the Macy's Parade this year singing I know. it. And I just I we need more. I I would like to put out the call for more Thanksgiving songs. Hmm. Because I I think Thanksgiving gets a raw deal. So. There needs to be more Thanksgiving in our lives. But our movie this time around is All I Want for Christmas. I will make a quick comment about this one because sometimes 
the websites that I use to make our lists every year sometimes let me down. And hmm. the website that I used to make our list for this year let me down with this one. Now, I made a conscious choice. You know, I, I brought this up with Army of Darkness because technically, if you look at the release dates, Army of Darkness, I think the U.S. release date was 93. I chose to go with the U.K. release date because that's when I saw it for the first time. That little, little stretchy, little stretchy stuff here. All I went for Christmas, according to the original website that I had used to help me build the list for this year, according to that one, this was in the list of 1992 movies. Apparently, the American, and for most of the world, release for this one was in December of 91. Okay. Huh. So technically, this is a 91 movie. However, because I don't want to admit to being wrong, we are celebrating the Peruvian release. On VHS. Peru. Deal. Weren't we, weren't we on like the, the podcast list in Peru si, for a couple si, of years? Si, senor. We were, I know at one point we were number two in Latvia. I do remember the Latvian contingent. Yeah, we were number two in Latvia. I very excited about that. I forgot to tell you, I, I think we were, was it Finland or Denmark? One of the ones, Finland or Denmark. Like we were, we were in like the top hundred at some point for one of those. I feel like it was, was it Peru or was it Portugal? It was definitely a P country. It's definitely a P word. Watch it. <laughs> I don't know. But yes, we, at some point we were, we were high up on the charts there. I, I'm, I'm still enormously proud. Thank you to our Latvian contingent. Indeed. Yeah. There's, there's a Latvian version of the Shirley podcast guys out there somewhere that listen to the show. <clears throat> Just we're establishing that Latvia and Peru, not even same continent. We're aware of that. I'm yes. aware of that. Okay. I'm a, I, I figure we're aware everyone else here. All the friends here in the virtual room are aware of that. Yes. Okay. Good. I was speaking, Good. I was speaking with a mutual friend of ours who went traveling recently and encountered mm -hmm. someone who was not aware of that. Hmm. Mm. And, and apparently misunderstood and and heard the name Portugal and said, I've only ever traveled in Europe. Okay. So. There's that. There's that. Kids, education is important. Reading is fundamental. This is well, your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions for Ubi, sub Ubi? There it go. just shows we have a long way to go. We do. And a short time to get there. Watch that old, needs watch to, old that bandit needs run. To, that needs to be another drop, right? So they have, that's extraordinary. We need to get the Klingon Chancellor from a Star Trek Undiscovered Country, where he's just sitting there after they have the argument at the table, and he says, well, it just proves we have such a lot. Like, that oh, needs boy. to be another drop. Yeah, I can, I can find that. Yeah, I mean, not now. I'm not giving you marching orders, no, but no. change things up for the new year. And we can we can do that for each of our movies. You haven't seen All I Want for Christmas until you've watched it in the original Klingon. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, our movie this time around, as we mentioned before, our movie this time around is All I Want for Christmas. Very, very quickly, we, we do spoil. We spoil freely as we talk, so I'll just be warned about that. If you have not yet, visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon so that you can get access to all of the myriad bonus episodes 
that we have there, and there are a plethora. I think we could agree we have a plethora. I mean, I am thinking I do not know what a plethora is meaning. At least I would I would hate to find out that somebody told me we had a plethora if they didn't know what a plethora meant. But you know, and one thing, this episode's going to come out just a, a couple weeks after the fact. But one thing that we did not mention on our last recording is that at the time of this recording, we just saw that. Speaking of Star Trek and, and other such things, we saw that mm-hmm. the actress Kirstie Alley had just passed away. Yeah, I think I think was it today that she had passed away. Yes, the day we sit to record this. Okay. Yeah, so as we're recording this, it's it's the day that Kirstie Alley passed away. I said she was 71. I was surprised. <laughs> I, I didn't quite realize that she had reached 71. So sounded like it was a, they didn't say what kind, but sounded like it was a, a short battle with cancer that they had just discovered not that long ago. So so we, we'll, we'll share the... We'll share the phrase that they use on our favorite Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, and say RSVP, Lieutenant Savick. Mm-hmm. Of all the souls in our journey, hers was the most Vulcan. Could have been Spock's baby mama in an alternate universe. That's true. That's true. Yeah. In the uh, maybe in the Kelvin timeline. Oh, there you go. Star Trek Four. They have to. Well, I think if I got to admit, in the Kelvin timeline, if anyone's going to be Spock's baby mama, it's going to be Uhura. Yeah, but see, that could be the surprise in Star Trek Four. Oh. Is maybe they're about to get married, and then all of a sudden, Savick shows up, <laughs> and and she's got like a a little little Spock Junior that she's holding, and she with. shows up with Jerry Springer in tow. Yes. And, and they not only do they have to go back in time and save the whales, but Spock has got to go back in time and fix his problem. <laughs> and, like, tell himself, he's like, no, 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 no stay with Uhura, don't spring break on, on Vulcan 2, whatever the new planet is called, Electric Boogaloo. Don't go there. Just uh, don't, basically, past Spock on spring break, don't go chasing waterfalls. Just stick to the rivers and streams that you're used to is going to be his message, because that is logical. And they have to save the whales. I mean, if, if the next movie is Star Trek Four, they have to go back and get the whales, because, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter that you've messed up the whole timeline. The probe is still coming. Just because the Kelvin was destroyed and, and Kirk and Spock and that whole thing is, is running on a different path now, don't mean that whatever happened to get rid of the humpback whales didn't already happen in the past because the Romulans didn't come back and shoot a couple of humpback whales. Right. So I true. Mean, we're, we're doing a bit of a deep dive here on, on Star Trek four and, and Star Trek, the 2009 movie, but uh, that's not what the people came here for. But I just, I felt like I needed to point that out that no matter what happens, the probe is still on its way. And we're going to find some humpbacks. Mm-hmm. Humpback, humpback people, people, Whales, Whales, Mr. Mr. Mm-hmm. Whales. So I think I think there could be a really fun I say just mash the whole thing together. If Quentin Tarantino wants to make a movie, have Savick mm-hmm. show up as as Spock's baby mama, have them have to go back in time to save the whales, pull the whole thing together, have the story told non linearly, and just yeah. do, do the whole thing up. <sighs> I like it. Well that's just fancy. Whale. A whale. Non-linearly a whale. and everything, huh? Reservoir whales. Whoa. Man. Non-linearly, it could be from the profit perspective. Yes. Star Trek Four. 
Whoa. A, a wormhole alien perspective. Yes. Electric boogaloo. Yes. There it is. I like it. A whale, Beaumont, a whale, a marine mammal that knows a heck of a lot more about sonar than you do. I feel like we just incepted ourselves. What? Are, what yes. I forgot for a second. What movie are we talking We're about? We're talking about All I Want for Christmas. <laughs> Although I'm really disappointed at this point that I don't have the, like the Hans Zimmer music drop of <laughs> doing the whole Inception thing. I don't know. Is the top still spinning? Because that'll tell us if we're all okay. Isn't it always? All right. Well, the movie we are here for is All I Want for Christmas. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo, which is really all anybody wants for Christmas. Uh, It came out in December of 1992 in Peru. Gracias. Was rated PG. Runtime of one hour and 32 minutes. Directed by Robert Lieberman, who did Fire in the Sky and D3, The Mighty Ducks. Writers were Tom Eberhardt and Richard Kramer. Eberhardt did Night of the Comet. And Kramer did uh, episodes of 30-something, which I wanted to throw in there because not that we cover 30-something on this podcast, but it seemed oddly appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Producer on this was, was Mary Kay Powell. She did The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Annie from 1982. Music was done by Bruce Boughton, who did the theme song for The Orville and the theme song for Dinosaurs. Cinematography by Robbie Greenberg, who did Wild Hogs and Under Siege 2, Electric Boogaloo. Editors were Peter E. Berger, who died in... Berger. Who died in 2011. And Dean Goodhill. Berger... I'm, I'm sorry. Berger did... <laughs> every time I say his name now, I'm like... <laughs> I, I'm getting stuck. Uh, speaking of Star Trek, yes, it's because um, of all those burgers. Because of all those burgers, yes. You're, if you have those burgers, it's gonna get stuck. It's getting stuck. Mm. Burger did Fatal Attraction and Star Trek Five, which I I feel like Fatal Attraction could have been a subtitle for Star Trek Five. Dean Goodhill mm. did The Fugitive and Walkabout. But what does God need with a star? Need with a starship. Budget, not sure. Box office, 14.8 million. Flick Metrics gives this a 58% cinema score, but not a score for this one. Starring Harley Jane Kozak as Catherine. She was in Arachnophobia and Parenthood. Jamie Sheridan as Michael. He was in Law & Order, Criminal Intent, and Homeland. Which, Law & Order, Criminal Intent, one of our favorite of the Law & Order series. And I want to say by the last few seasons of that one, Sporting an Eye Patch. Mm. which was mm. kind of fun. I don't know. It was a fun little thing to his character. He was the captain to, to Vincent D'Onofrio's detective. And uh, He yeah. is such a weird, that character, so weird. Vincent D'Onofrio's character in there? Yeah. Oh, he was our favorite. We loved him. He's a strange, strange man. Yeah. He interrogated people with just a, a puppy dog tilt to the head. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It was his puppy dog eyes. That's what got people to tell the truth. Is that what it was? Sure. Jamie Sheridan was also in Homeland. Ethan Embry played Ethan, oddly enough. He was in That Thing You Do and Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Kevin Nealon was Tony Boer. I'm sorry, Boer. He was in Saturday Night Live and Weeds. Thora Birch played Hallie. She was in The Walking Dead and American Beauty. Andrea Martin played Olivia. She was in My Big Frat, Big Fat Greek, Big Frat Greek Wedding. That's a completely different movie. It is. That's a little animal house and a little big fat Greek wedding. Was it over when, no, I don't know. Was it over when Zorba bombed Pearl Harbor? Was it over when they Pearl broke Harbor? all the plates? <laughs> was it over when Zorba bombed Pearl Harbor? Heck no. <laughs> uh, 
I just came from Crete with no. And uh, also in Black Christmas, Lauren Bacall, who died in 2014, played Lillian Brooks. She was in To Have and Have Not, and The Mirror Has Two Faces. Amy Ober was Stephanie. She was in Blue Streak and Without Charlie. And Leslie Nielsen, who died in 2010, played Santa Claus. He was in Airplane and the Naked Gun movies. There is not actually a ton of trivia for this movie. Some of the very few things that I did find on here is this was actually, although a Christmas movie and plenty of snow around, this was actually shot during a scorching Los Angeles summer. So not clear from the movie itself. They did a nice job of making it look like it was wintertime. That's got to be one of the hardest things about doing all these Christmas movies is you either got to do them a year in advance, which no one wants to do, or you're shooting them in the summer for the winter. Right. But I suppose shooting them in the summer for the winter is better than trying to shoot in the cold, but shooting the winter for the summer. Yeah. That would be harder. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. But still, I feel like that's gotta be, it's going to be a little toasty when you got all those winter coats on and yeah. When you're the uh, pretentious little girl with her little hand muff thing that she's running down the street in. <laughs> yeah, that. There were a few things. We'll, we'll get into opinions on the movie later, but there were a few things about the movie that I was just like, ugh. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Certain things some of the characters did or said, I was just like, I don't, I don't think I like you. And, and sometimes it was children. And I they like don't like you either. I didn't like the chip. But you know what? Children don't always like me either, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. The you director, just watch yourself. You just watch. I'm a wanted man. I have the death sentence in 12 counties. The director and the writer enjoyed working together on a Christmas episode of the TV show 30-something, so they decided they should collaborate again, and this was ultimately the result of that. Hmm. Let's see. Was there anything else? Oh, the other... One of the other interesting things about this one. This movie grossed less in its entire run in the theaters than Home Alone did in its first weekend. (laughs) Well, I don't think that any movie should be held to that standard. No. Yeah, that. No, because Pat hates Home Alone, and I don't know how he feels about this movie yet. (laughs) Well, like Jess said, I just hate Christmas. That's true. Wow. I thought no. I thought, you, I thought you hate children. Was it Christmas or children? <laughs> it's all of it. All oh. of it. <laughs> Pat hates humanity. That's right. No. All right. Well, I, I don't know if any of us hate this movie. We could get a few more Patreon co-executive producers if one of us does. But, you know, that's all I got in terms of the trivia. In terms of the synopsis for this one, In a world where the real Santa hangs out at the department store, Ethan and Hallie O'Fallon are two siblings who wish that their divorced mom and dad would reunite. As Christmas approaches, the kids hatch a plan to get them back together. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's very pretty, Hallie. Do you want to know the rest of it? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It begins with a little girl. I bet you want to be a ballerina when you grow up, huh? What if I'm fat? What if my head's too big? Wait till I'm in third grade. Then I'll pick a career. A little dream. Can I use the lap? Sure. No, we really gotta talk. You can't have Santa Claus for that. And a little magic. (laughs) To remind us... Oh, you're back. I'm back. This is Santa Claus, not Dear Abby. That Christmas is something to believe in. I had to see, and this is special. Not all mom and dad should get back together, but I should. What is it? What's wrong with her? Uh, she was feeling fine, and all of a sudden... Is mommy coming? 
Wow, you look gorgeous. Paramount Pictures proudly presents a movie about a family, about a wish, and about the miracles that are inside of every heart. I usually specialize in stuff you can wrap. All I want for Christmas. Share it with your family this holiday season. A parent trap at Christmas. Basically, yes. It's a parent trap. All right, so we've got some major moments in this one. Major moments for this one. I'm starting off with the kids are mostly... All right. So we, we start off with some scenes of we get introduced to the kids in, in different scenarios. One of them is running through a school. He's at an all-boys school. He's running through the school to catch up with the choir that, I guess, has started singing. And I don't know why at that point, necessarily, if, if you're already late, you're not really so much sneaking in. And the fact that you run past and almost plow into the, the, the priest or whoever it is that's doing the conducting of the choir, you haven't so much snuck in. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what exactly was being accomplished by the, the, the running of the children in that particular scene. But I, I guess we kind of get introduced to the idea that maybe the children featured in this movie are a bit precocious and can get away with certain things. So... We're, we're learning that early on, I guess. Um, but we learn that the parents, it sounds like, are, are recently divorced and the kids have been moved around a bit and that it's, it's getting close to holiday time and they're going to be spending some time with their father who owns this diner. And apparently the diner was possibly part of the reason why the parents split because of stress and arguments and I'm sure finances and things like that. We also discover here kind of towards the beginning that the mom has a new boyfriend played by Kevin Nealon, who is just, I, I think, fits the slimy boyfriend character to a T in this one. He's, he's just, at first, he's kind of awkward, but then as the movie progresses, it's, it's just enough so that, uh, what's, what's the line from Tombstone? Nope, I'm sure of it. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, he tries to play it cool, and then he reveals his true colors eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like most, as as most antagonists uh, will, as most antagonistic new boyfriends in movies do. Antagonistic new boyfriends in holiday Home Alone slash Parent Trap movies. Yeah, yeah. Major moment number two. I'm calling boy meets girl. This is where Ethan meets Stephanie, and uh, I'm going to get to opinions and other stuff later. I do have to throw this in here very very quickly because I don't know how much more I want to comment on it, but. Am I the only one that got some awkward, juvenile sexual tension between these characters? Oh, I don't know that it was supposed to be veiled. Oh, no. Okay, good, good. I, I was like, I'm watching this and I'm like, is it, are they supposed to, what are they, are they Dude, talking? they to, spent the whole night together in the diner, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah, some of the some of the dialogue. Obviously, the, the, since they're children, the dialogue is is fairly veiled. But in terms of like some of the dialogue between the two of them, I'm like, ugh. 
Yeah, interesting choices were made. Choices were made. No. Ah, anyway, I, I'm sure we'll comment more as we go along. But and then so we have we have some scenes where he kind of meets her at at these family get the family gatherings get-togethers. The younger sister, uh, she does Hallie. Uh, ends up going to see Santa Claus at the department store because uh, because real Santa Claus does hang out at the department store. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's not a fake that sits on a throne of lies. This is the actual Leslie Nielsen Santa Claus. And I'm calling this major moment. How about a nice football? Because Hallie goes up and decides that she's going to try to ask Santa Claus to get her parents back together. She wants her parents to get married. And as we find out a little bit later on in the movie, it is revealed that Kevin Nealon's character is going to ask the mother to marry him. And when Hallie discovers this, she believes she has made a mistake and she wasn't specific enough as if Santa Claus is some kind of living bearded monkey's paw that decides to take children's wishes and turn them into horrible, horrible nightmares. The next time, uh, the next major moment, I'm calling it Home Alone, but in a diner where the children decide to hatch this plot so that they can get their parents back together. It involves mice. It involves a Ben and Jerry's truck. It involves a tow truck, a cab, some Chinese food, and a faked illness, as well as a whole series of so-and-so staying at so-and-so's house. And I'm here, but I'm not here. So if you call, tell them I'm here staying with you. I'm actually going to be here. That whole thing. All Classic. We, an elaborate plot. An elaborate plot. All we needed was probably a, a hallway with a bunch of doorways and a nice Benny Hill segment. The yes. next one I'm... Yeah. yeah. As the Benny Hill music starts playing in my head. Yeah, there you go. I was doing that just... And then we have the uh, we have the Ben and Jerry's scene where the boyfriend does get locked in the uh, locked in the car and gets him out of the picture with enough time to then pull the parents together. And, and nobody is any the wiser at this point. And, and somehow the parents end up together in the loft there and, and they're talking and kind of reminiscing about things while the kids are particularly Ethan and Stephanie are downstairs in the diner eating burgers, uh, not to be confused with the burger that was also one of the editors. They were mm, not eating him. Burger. A lot of burgers in this movie. And having a little bit of awkward dialogue with each other and something about ketchup bottles and, and marrying them, and I don't know. It was weird. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> and then a word that's maybe a little too fancy for this movie, uh, the denouement at the end, where <sighs> I'm, I'm pulling out... Look, I got an English major for a reason. All right. I right. paid top dollar, top dollar for my English major from a state school. So I'm going to use it, by golly. And I'm going to use it. getting some re return on some investment there. Uh huh. Uh huh. The, the ROI. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use words like denouement and flashback and foreshadowing and and everybody's everybody's going to enjoy it propeller i like that word that's a good word propeller propeller is yeah. a good word yeah propeller barely um, know her I, <laughs> thank you I'm, I'm not even sure i have an appropriate sound effect for that that was just so i'm so happy that you did that Let's go non-sarcastically. Let's go with this one. That's extraordinary. <laughs> what would you like to do next? All right. 
I did teach. Oh, we may have lost Bo. <laughs> <laughs> He's down, man. He's down. He'll resurface the three questions. Oh, this is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there he's, he's done. It's done. What I love is the small uh, recovery, and then we're right oh into yeah. it again. No, he's he's not going to be able to hold on. Frankly, this is all I wanted for Christmas, so I'm 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 excited to be a part of this. <sighs> and see, I was I was super excited. Speaking of an English degree and trying to teach the children and help the children learn, teach them well believe the children are our future they are i did explain to my daughter uh, we were talking about something this weekend and i was trying to explain to her I, I said are you are you aware of the german term that means where people derive enjoyment oh we were actually talking about the the uh, christmas story christmas mm. and we were talking about how one and and i think jeff kind of shares this opinion on it too one of the things we didn't like about it we really enjoyed it we really liked it but one of the things we didn't was there was the whole scene in the movie of a bunch of people sledding down a hill and like slamming into benches and parked cars. And there was just, it was a lot of maybe overly done slapsticky kind of like everybody's going to end up with a concussion by the end of this scene, kind of like slamming into stuff mm -hmm. and, and all that. And I was explaining to one of my children, I said, well, there's a, there's a term for when people find enjoyment in the, pain and suffering and other you know, of others i mean that's that's why people laugh at the three stooges and and stuff like that and i asked her if she knew what that term was and i said well good i'm glad that you don't know it because now i can explain it to you you can go to school use it in front of your teachers and they'll give you the rest of the year off okay. so i so i i taught my daughter about the term schadenfreude oh so like i said i paid top dollar for my degree, so and someone is getting some benefit from it. That's amazing. I'm gonna say the dividends are priceless. Top men. I think that's pretty much it for the major moments. I mean, we we unravel everything. The denouement, in which we unravel the explanation with a horribly worded explanation, and mm -hmm. the parents get back together. Santa Claus shows up, and everyone's wishes have come true. I don't want a lot for Christmas, but I, no, I'm not even gonna go there. It's best. Yeah, it's like like Christmas. It's best served cold. Are there any other major moments? No, man. No, no not major. Okay. All right. There All are right. moments, but not major. Moments, ones. but not major. Okay. And now, it's time for some deep thoughts. Let's let's think a little bit deeper about this one, shall we? And now, deep thoughts. All right. So. Usually our, our first question here is initial reactions or when was the first time you saw it. Do you recall the first time you saw this movie? It's about 12 hours ago. Okay. <laughs> it was about the same for me. I'm going to say maybe 24 hours ago. I okay. couldn't tell you when. But what I can tell you is that I... Stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But what I can tell you is I have seen it before. Okay. Like I, I I remembered too much, knew too much of what was about to happen, mm -hmm. but for the life of me, I couldn't tell you when. Okay. I guess it is just random Christmas time, you know. All right, fair enough. Yeah, this one for me, I I don't recall having seen this before, so this was a this was a first time viewing within the last eh, twenty four hours or so for me. 
So, and then our other kind of initial thoughts type question is just general thoughts before we jump into more detail. Did you enjoy this movie? Did you like it? It was cute. It was cute in a Hallmark Christmassy kind of way. You know, it was fine. Yeah. Patrick, did you enjoy this movie? There, now I'm off mute. I was just saying, Bo, I totally agree with what you said and the way you said it. Yeah, it was fine. It was good. It was cute. Okay. Yeah. I think I would have needed to watch this movie as a child. Okay. I can see that. Because there were a lot of moments in this. Yes. it. If I had seen this as a kid, I think I would have been like, oh, yeah, okay, this is, this is kind of a parent trap kind of a deal so yeah they're trying to get their parents back together and i said all right okay i I got you i got you and i think i would have found some of the the little ploys that they try like getting the mice together and letting them loose in the house and the ben and jerry's truck and all that other stuff I, i think i would have found that to be along the same lines as some of the some of the traps that are set in home alone and things like that but the problem is i watched this as an adult for the first time And as I watched it as an adult for the first time, there were just so many different things that, I mean, Pat, we established that you hate Christmas or children. Which one was it? Or both? Everything. Children, children at Christmas time. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. All right. So Pat hates children at Christmas time. I think I've established that I, this might grate on my nerves about the same as Bobcat Goldthwaite's voice. Ooh, that's something there. Children that sing high-pitched, breathy choir voices. Mm. Mm. I think I hate that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, so from, this movie immediately puts you on the back foot. I from from as the credits are still rolling. And the kid comes running in, and, and I was already confused as to why is he running late, number two. Why is he running, like, if you were going to sneak in, which apparently is, I don't know, it seemed like he was trying to, like, sneak in unnoticed. Why would you run from behind the choir director, run into the choir director, run up into the group of kids, and then out of breath, then sing your part? And then somehow uh-huh. the whole thing devolves into a bar fight. Yeah, it does seem like you'd be better off just not showing up. Yeah. But, I mean, that whole first scene, maybe if I had watched this as a kid, I would be like, ha-ha, he's going to get in trouble. Oh, he made it. He's not going to get in trouble. Oh, now they're goofing off and fighting. And I probably would have felt that way if I would watched it as a kid, whereas watching it as an adult, I'm just sitting there as the credits are still rolling going, what am I, what it, why are the, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on here. So I think it lost me in the first like two minutes. Which hmm. is not a good place to get lost. Yeah. yeah I don't think it, I don't think it pretty... really, it didn't really recover from there because then there were other moments in the movie where I'll, I'm just going to go out a little mini rant and then we can kind of comment as we go. There it is. There were other moments that it kind of, it, it took me out of the movie. For example, when the sister goes back to see Santa Claus, trying to fix her mistake because she, she feels like she was not specific enough about what her wish was. And the Ethan, the brother, shows up, 
And he just, he like grabs her and starts shaking her. And he's like, you can't go out alone. You can't get it. And I'm like, okay, dude. Apparently, mm-hmm. apparently none of the adults were bothered when the little girl was like, I have to go fix a mistake. And then she just left home. Well, we could talk about unattended parent, unattentive parents, but. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, like he, he's being almost like overly aggressive with her. You should, you can't do that. You can never do I'm like, all right, hold, just hold on there, buddy. Mm-hmm. Calm down just a bit. And then the other thing that I think threw me a bit was looking at, and, and maybe I needed to look at the front cover of this movie a little bit better. Cause when you look at the, like the, the VHS cover for this one, mm-hmm. And I guess maybe I should have looked at it a little bit more closely. I'm, I'm going to pull up the image right now so I can zoom in and take a look. Oh, yeah. No, it is. All right. So on the on the VHS case, poster, or whatever you want to call it, it has the line, how far would you go to make a wish come true? And we've got these two kids. They've got a, a little, like, a, a, it's like Santa Claus's list. It's a long piece of, with a bunch of little mice holding on to the bottom of it. And, you know, it's kind of the Christmas list of, of the things that they want and whatnot. And they've got Santa Claus tied up in some, like, tinsel and Christmas lights, and he's hanging upside down and, and everything else. So based on that, having never seen this before and, and based on the cover of that, and knowing that Santa Claus was played by Leslie Nielsen, I'm spending <laughs> most of this movie going, aha. So they introduce Chekhov's St. Nick in the beginning of the movie. He's going to come back and definitely get used as a very important piece. Oh, no, he's not. Oh, no. So I think that was another spot where I was like, I was kind of picturing at some point, based on what I saw on the movie cover, these kids are going to kidnap Santa Claus and try to get him to make their wish come true. And, oh, no, they're going to buy eight mice in some kind of convoluted plan to let them loose in the house and do what? Well, isn't it obvious? Oh, yeah. Super obvious. And monkeys might fly out of my butt. (laughs) Swing. Buddy, out of you. So, I think think movie cover and breathy choir boy singing. And, uh, yeah, lack of Leslie Nielsen as Shanghai to Santa Claus was probably what threw me off a bit. Because I, I, I think I really spent a lot of the movie going, when are they going to get Santa? Like, when, oh, okay. when, when does he get tied up? He's, he's upside. They're, they're, they're basically Ewoking Santa Claus here. They've caught him in a net, and they've got him hanging upside down. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting this to happen at some point in the movie. And... There's no, I think Leslie Nielsen must have collected his paycheck for his three scenes he was in, and then that was pretty much it. And I'm like, and he's like, peace. I'm like, but but that's not, I I, I told them if if they didn't put more Leslie Nielsen in in the movie, it was, you know, you could do like, and then I, but then they stapler and burn the house down. And then they, and then they took him out of the movie, and and then he wasn't in the scenes that I thought he was going to be in. And, and I, and I told them that if they, if they didn't do that, I, I, I could burn the place down. (laughs) <laughs> that's basically what happened for me in this movie. I, I think that can sum up my thoughts on the movie is, was it cute? Yeah. Did I probably need to see this as a kid? Yeah. 
Is this a Christmas movie I will end up sharing with my kids? Yeah, probably not. There's plenty of other good stuff out there, and I, I don't know that I was necessarily a fan of this one. I'm not going to go as so far as to say it was a bad movie. It's not a great movie. It's it's innocent, and maybe let's just leave it at that. Now, there are moments, as I referred to earlier, where it seems that the adult writers were like toying with the idea of making it not quite as innocent. See earlier comment about the interactions between Ethan and Stephanie, the two children in the movie that make googly eyes at each other and produce other innuendo that was uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, googly eyes is a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. So, all right, those are my thoughts. That was my mini rant. Those are are my thoughts to... Anyone share those thoughts or John, you're being stupid or. Well, that's not mutually exclusive. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> I mean, when you're going to set me up like that. Yeah. No, I mean, go yeah, ahead. Wax, they, wax on Bo. <laughs> they definitely pushed the, the feeling of that relationship past cute a few times. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's what they were going for was cute, but they probably could have done a better job of that. I think. Yeah. Man, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't, whatever the latter comment you were, John, you don't know what you're talking, nothing like that. I, I guess I didn't bump on the movie as much, but I just had no preconceived notions. You know what I'm saying? And I know exactly what, what you're, what you're talking about. Like you get it in your head that the movie's going to go a certain way. And so you wait and it it's, it's not just this movie. But there's other times I go see a film and it's just like, man, I'm waiting for it to pivot because I know they're going to do X and they never get to X. And it's like hard to recover from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm, Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's the cliche of having preconceived notions, but it's something a little different. You know, like preconceived notions for me is like, you know, the new Avengers movie comes out and, oh, I hope they show this or I hope they do this and I hope they do this. Oh, but they don't. This is something different. It's like you get it in your head that the movie's going to go a certain way and it doesn't go that way. And it's not like it's a twist. It's just almost like, almost like a bait and switch, right? Like you see the, yeah. the cover, you know what I'm saying? It's different than having preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. And there were a few times and, in the movie, there, a few times in the movie where it did that. Like I was waiting for something to happen and then nothing happened. Like case in point, when they crashed the wedding, and they're sitting there, and they're they're eating the food at the way, which apparently is like this kid's favorite pastime is just going to places where they're not really designed for you to dine, but you know you're going to mm-hmm. grab food anyway. Where they have sushi for every occasion, sushi for every Caucasian. It's one of my favorite lines of the movie, I guess. Grief. But they have that scene where they they crash the wedding, and they're sitting there, and they're talking about this whole thing, and and they're just sitting there enjoying the food at at one of the dining tables. And then they, the way the camera kind of focuses in on where they bring the cake out for the bride and groom to come and cut the cake. And the cake yeah. is brought right behind the two kids sitting at that table. And, and I don't mean this to sound mean-spirited in any way, but the bride and groom at this wedding are sufficiently unattractive that I feel like something is about to happen. Like a combination of having the cake right there behind the kids and just, I don't know, the way the camera 
chooses its angles or, or some of the shots. And and I don't know, the, the bride and groom, they're a little goofy looking as they're like approaching the table with the cake and, and everything else. And I'm thinking, oh, something's going to happen here. Like one of the kids, their their arm is going to fly back as they're exclaiming something and the cake's going to go everywhere. And, it, and then you just have the scene of them cutting the cake and, you know, the groom shoves cake in the bride's face and then you cut to the next scene. So again, right. you were disappointed by the... Yeah, I was like, I, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. I'm thinking of something blue. <laughs> something blue didn't show up. I think the cake might have been blue, but but no, it, it didn't happen. I would also like to point out that what what makes the relationship between Ethan and Stephanie a little bit awkward mm-hmm. is we have the scene in the art museum and then we have other scenes later on where they're like at a table, either eating or, or well, mostly eating. I was a little worried we were going to go Thomas Crown Affair on this because mm. you have a scene in an art museum earlier on in that movie and then they're like making eyes at each other and I'm like, just don't start playing chess, please. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it was, it was awkward. I've said this about some other movies in the past, like when they're not terrible movies. I just, I feel like this movie was a movie of missed opportunities. Yeah, I can see that. So I don't know. That's that's kind of where I land on this one. It was not my favorite, not the worst I've ever seen. It's no cool world, but what is? God, I hate that movie. But I just felt like there were a few things. There were a few things that were missing from this one. I was I was hoping for a little bit more. You know, the whole plan to try to get their parents. I mean, so much. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief in Home Alone. You know, sure, and Parent Trap. For the, and Parent Trap. you got to suspend some disbelief there. I feel like this movie was asking almost too much suspension of disbelief to ensure that every piece of their plan worked out well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't feel like it was written well enough or explained well enough. And they didn't have to explain everything, but explain enough so that I have at least an inkling of what their plan is and how... The mice tie into this arrangement, which ties into this arrangement, which ties into the Ben and Jerry's truck, which is it, and so on and so forth. But I feel right. like that didn't happen, and so I was like, "Wait, what were the mice for? Like, why did we, why did we waste sixteen dollars on mice and a potential mouse salad bar? I, I don't know. It's a fair question. So, so I say all that to say." I think I needed to be a kid when I saw this. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's exactly it because I mean, when, when, when I look at the movies that I really enjoyed or, or when I go back and say, man, this movie seemed perfect or it's a classic, all the scenes work together, flow towards the same end goal. They all have a purpose. It all somehow advances the plot or your understanding of the character and, and it's done in a very efficient and smooth way and, and, yeah. and all that. And that's why you have writers and plot that are good. And blah, blah. This, this, it seemed like there were just too many random scenes yeah. that were trying to have an effect, but it, it never really went as, it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm falling off the chair laughing yeah. or, Oh my gosh, I'm grabbing a tissue box. I'm crying or the scenes never really blipped the needle enough. And so I think that's where maybe you were left a little bit feeling flat, right? Yeah. After some of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was little scenes like 
when his sister is seeing Santa for the first time and he's standing off and he's encountering these two kids that apparently he didn't want to run into, but they're like three feet shorter than him and they're picking on him. And then this random mm-hmm. little kid walks up and is like, you're an elf, aren't you? I'm like, where is this going? Like, yeah. you, no, I'm not an elf. I'm a human. Well, but elves don't admit that they're elves. That's their flaw. And I'm like, okay, first of all, a kid that young is not going to be Yeah, what was he talking about? Right. And I, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, is this going to be some kind of a plot thread where later on maybe they're going to kidnap Santa to try to get him to fulfill their Christmas wish, and somehow it's going to be tied into the idea that there's this kid was mistaken for an elf, and this kid, nope. So yeah. I was like, eh, mm-hmm. okay, that was weird. Yeah, there was just like like you said, Pat. There were several moments where I was expecting something, and instead I got a a discordant set of scenes where I just as the scene ended and, and cut to the next scene, I'm like, all right, well that was weird. I'm enrolled for one year in a jelly of the month club. Yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it was. You know, we were you watch the movie, you expect to get the bonus but instead you're just kind of enrolled in the jelly of the month club. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much it. And jelly's good. Jelly's fine. Yeah. It just never blipped the, blipped the meter as high as you wanted it to. No, it did. It, it, it did not. So, all right. Does that, before we go into the three questions, anybody else have any thoughts on the movie? It's cute. Yeah. What, yeah. I mean, what would you say? Watch it with the family? Don't watch it with the family, you know? I'd say watch it with the family. I mean, I'm I I don't care for it enough to watch it again, but if I if I had the time to watch it with the kids, I would have watched it with the kids cuz I think they probably would enjoy it. Right now. They're not watching the movie for a podcast where they know they're going to have to comment on the movie and they're watching it in a slightly different way. Like right. they, they would just be watching it for ooh, Christmas movie. Mhm. So, yeah. I think if somebody was choosing to watch this for the first time and you've got kids, watch it with your kids because they'll probably enjoy it. Right on. Yeah. All right. On that note, we're going into three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Three questions. Question number one. What is your favorite Christmas song? Hmm. I thought about this one earlier and I had a lot of trouble with it. But I think I know. So let me make sure I get it right. Is it Christmas at Ground Zero by Weird Al? It is not. Is it The Night Santa Went Insane by Weird Al? No. Oh, those are such good ones. 
No, I just, it's Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And is it this one? Or is it the next? It's either Christmas Canon mm-hmm. or Christmas Eve in Sarajevo. Okay. So here's my question. Is it the one that's like yes. that's Christmas Eve Sarajevo? Okay, yeah. Christmas Canon, and that's then they've the got and yeah, that the it's a little bit more metal. Is the Christmas Eve Sarajevo? Yeah, that's the one I like. And I like then, well, um, I like them both, but the Sarajevo one's my favorite. Right, and then Christmas Canon is the one that that, that combines Paco Bell's Canon with the we are waiting thing. And then they've also got yes. Christmas Canon and then Christmas Canon rock has more like electric, like metal guitar sound. And then uh, I think that's why I confuse it then. Okay. That makes sense. Right. So there's Christmas Canon, there's Christmas Canon rock. And then Christmas Canon rock has the, has the, uh, the gals singing. Got it. This is Christmas Eve Sarajevo, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's God Rest You Married Gentlemen and Parallel Bells. And then... <laughs> yeah, this is the one. Excellent choice. Yeah, man. Have you guys seen them live? I have not. The closest I got was that live stream they did during COVID. Okay. Which was great. Don't get me wrong, but I have not had the pleasure of seeing them live. It's, it's a pretty awesome show. We've seen them a couple times and it's, it's interesting because I think maybe both times or at least once they did like the first half was like a bunch of the Christmas stuff. And then the second half they did more Christmas stuff, but then all of a sudden they were doing a whole bunch of different tunes and covers of, I think they did a version of Layla. I mean, it was like really, Hmm. it was pretty awesome stuff. It was just, yeah. Great stuff. Nice. John, have you ever seen them live? No, I've never seen them live. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Patrick, what is your favorite Christmas song? Well, I would have to say my favorite, like Carol, the one that I like singing and playing and listening to and everybody's different versions. I like the first Noel. I really like that uh, Carol. I will sometimes I will sit during this season and listen to Frank Sinatra 
and I'll just listen to his version of it. Maybe sometimes for hours, I listen to him uh, sing this. But uh, yeah, I'd say the first Noel. So I have to ask you mm, that I'm, yeah, that's, have you, have you ever heard the version by the crash test dummies? I have not. You're about to. Oh, there we go. Unto certain poor shepherds in fields It sounds like Bane is singing it. A, a little bit, yeah. Well, it's, you know, the crash test dummies. It's once right. there was this kid who... Mm, right. So, yeah. Yeah. I discovered this one a few years ago. I'm like, this is... I, I have like a quirky Christmas playlist. Well, this qualifies. <laughs> this definitely qualifies. And they, I think they have an entire Christmas album. I have not delved into the entire thing yet. But the nice thing is I can sing along because that's his his register is about mine. There it is. So I would have to say, like I said, first Noel, especially that Sinatra version. Yeah. I really like the little drummer boy. Yes. I, I think that is just a, a, a beautiful song, you know, a, a, like incredible message. And I'll, I'll reference the West Wing again. They use that in the West Wing, and it is like one of the most powerful scenes. I don't want to say most, like, because that show just had a whole bunch of them, but it, it was one of the more powerful scenes when they use it in the in the West Wing. I don't know how, if you guys remember that, but it was when Toby finds his jacket that he donated was on a homeless mm, man, mm-hmm. and then he finds out that he's a a war veteran, a combat veteran, and he's just like just struck with how can this guy have served the country, but then he ends up homeless mm-hmm. and they, he gets them the, the full military funeral and then they use this song. Yeah. And I think that's pretty effective as, as far as like, you know, film and TV and all that. But yeah, I, the little drummer boy. And then my final one, and I, I'm going to get this because Dennis had this, he had, here's my favorite classic one. And then here's my favorite modern one. And it's by a composer named Eric Whitaker. And he has a piece and I'm going to horribly mispronounce it, but it's called Luke's. Arumakoe, yeah. and it's based off a Latin poem, and it is absolutely gorgeous. L U X A R U M U Q U E. Is that the piece um, that he did for the virtual choir that he did? I, I was going to say, John, and you have a good. Have I a know good all history. about that. Yeah, which which I will say that whole virtual choir piece ended up being what everybody did during COVID. I mean, from that was quite ahead of its time. I I was Um, just like six years too early. You were, yeah, that's right. But we, we, we all figured it out. We all became sound engineers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that being said, it is an amazing piece of music. And I just, yeah. So I'd say for, for my modern Christmas tune that I, I make sure that I get, like I said, first Noel, little drummer boy, and then Luke's Arumakoi. There's my there's my three for one. Yeah, I know Dennis had shared that his traditional choice was Silent Night and his contemporary choice was Do They Know It's Christmas. Mm. I am going to go with, and this was also my wife's 
selection as well. I am going to go with the Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy by David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Nice. To see Pum Our finest gifts we bring So I go back to using the term schadenfreude. If you ever want to see an example of schadenfreude, just watch the video that precedes them starting to sing this song. Oh. If you want to get enjoyment out of watching people suffer, you can see the video in which Bing Crosby and David Bowie are shoved into a set together that looks like a little Christmas cabin. And I don't know if they were just directed to make small talk, but you can kind of tell... They don't really care necessarily for each other. The song they end up singing together is beautiful, and it's probably my favorite version of this song. And, and for Sharon and I, it's it's both our favorite Christmas song, and we absolutely love it. But if you want to see one of the most awkward exchanges you might have ever seen in your entire life, go watch the whole video of when they first start talking to each other and they're trying to like have small talk and chit-chat about what do you do with your family at Christmas time? Oh, what about your family? And it's it's so awkward. It's like hmm. it's like political discussion with your family around the Thanksgiving table, kind of awkward. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. But then when the whole th- when they're done with the little chit chat piece and the music strikes up, then they they roll right into "Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy," and it's it's great from that point on. But it's the rest of it is, as the kids say, super cringy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I will throw this one out because we went to a we went to a Christmas kind of a Christmas concert last night. We do we go to these community concerts like once a month or so, and the one we went to last night I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little plug for the band that was playing. They were called Classical Blast, and mm-hmm. basically what they do is they mash up rock songs with classical music. Okay. And this one was them mashing up rock songs with classical music and Christmas. Hmm. And so, I, just to give you a sense of some of what they did, they did a mashup of Green Sleeves and Nights in White Satin by the Moody Blues. They did a mashup of Silent Night and the and Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. They did a mashup of Breath of Heaven, Mary's Song by Amy Grant, and Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. And then in set two, after the intermission... They did a mashup of Carol of the Bells and the Game of Thrones theme. Now that's interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then they then they did a mashup of Wonder Child, which is What Child Is This and Wonderwall. Then they did Gabriel's Oboe by Ennio Morricone, mashed up with Imagine by John Lennon. And this this is where this might have been one of the defining moments of my life in in what I got to see. When we go to these mm. concerts, my family brings down the average age of attendees by quite a bit. Yeah. That is not a surprise. Yeah. It yes. I mean much much older than than contemporaries of Dennis. Let's let's say that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of white hair in the crowd. Sure. 
when they got towards the end of their set, they did a mashup of Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy and Enter Sandman. Now, and how, and how did that play? Well, so for the first half of the night, the the applause the applause for the other songs was was generous. And it seemed like everybody was having a good time. I think before the whole thing started, there were some that were like, I don't know about rock and roll and mixed with Christmas. and But then as it got going, people were like, oh, this is kind of cool. But in particular, like I was kind of watching, there was this guy in, a front, in the front row who like fell asleep, I think, for half of it and, and whatever. And the moment they started with Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, the moment it kicked in to enter Sandman, I turned to look. And there were people that reminded me of my sweet, dear, departed grandmother, almost headbanging to Madonna. Wow. Like, like old people head were, heads were bopping, knees and legs were being slapped, and they were, I don't know if it was like restless leg syndrome or if they were actually enjoying the song, but it was like people were moving, and that got the most applause of any of the songs. That's outstanding. And, and I, turned to my awesome. lovely, I turned to my lovely wife, and I was like, I don't know what just happened here, but I think I love it. You know, I, I you talk to people and so many times they'll say, Hey, what'd you like about that song? Oh, it has a good beat. Yeah. Is what is oh, yeah. and that is like timeless and age boundary defying and all oh, that. Yeah. And so yeah. And that's you know, what happened I, last night. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now the one song I, I I was not I was almost gonna list this as my favorite Christmas song, but it's I don't think it is. But and it's not even necessarily a Christmas song. But the mashup that they did and the way that they, I wish I would have recorded it while we were there because then I went to go check their albums that were on Apple Music and Spotify afterwards and they don't have the same version of this song that they played at the concert. So I wish I would have recorded it while we were there. Mm -hmm. They did a mashup of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah with Amazing Grace and House of the Rising Sun. Oh, really? And when I tell you that this was amazing... They started off by playing the music of House of the Rising Sun and kept going with the melody of House of the Rising Sun, but sang the lyrics of Amazing Grace to that tune. Interesting. And and Sharon and I were both just sitting there we're like, this is so cool. Like that is like seamlessly, it the lyrics fit perfectly. However they arranged it, it fit perfectly and it sounded like it should have always been done that way. Mm-hmm. But it was so good. That's cool. So I, I, I hope I can find a copy of that somewhere, the, the, the same version that they did last night, because it was so much fun. But yes, kind of watching watching the older folks bopping their heads to enter Sandman was probably the highlight of my week, if not my year. That's well, awesome. There you go. Good times. You know, there was one there was one song I forgot to mention. Yeah. And when you said the dance of the sugar plum fairies, it made me think of it. Duke Ellington's version of the Nutcracker Suite. Mm. Oh yeah, it is phenomenal. So that is also a frequent listen around the holidays. Yeah, around Christmas time for myself. All right. Question number two: Did you ever go see Santa at the mall as a kid? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And see, that was what was what was kind of funny is my wife was like, "Yeah, no, we never did that," and my kids have we've never done that with the kids like we don't spend a lot of time in the mall and but i remember growing up like every christmas that was 
you you went to see Santa and you went to see the Easter Bunny at the mall. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we ever did the Easter Bunny now that you mention it, but I know we did Santa for sure. Well, I grew up in the lower part of the Bible Belt, so you went to all of the holidays at the mall. That's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Because the mall had air conditioning. True. And Santa and the Easter Bunny. All these things are true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the mall. I also remember t- going to a place called Lollipop Lane. And Lollipop hmm. Lane, I don't even remember, like, I always, what, I know. always feel awkward trying to go into those places because it just, I don't know. Oh, lollipop, I'm sorry, that's a different. That was a different <laughs> lollipop lane. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't going with the parents during to that one. Okay. But yeah, I remember, I remember going to see Santa. We never, we never went and saw the Easter Bunny. Yeah. But. Yeah, we made, I, we spent a lot of time at the mall. I don't know why. Well, I, I do know why. My mom liked to shop, but. Well, there you go. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, Good a reason is any. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It just, it seemed kind of funny like that growing up. I, I so vividly remember doing that every single Easter, every single Christmas. And then like, we haven't, we haven't done that at all with our kids. Like I can't even think of, and, and Nora was like, it just seems weird. Like it's not the real one. So you're going to go sit on some guy's lap and tell him what you want. You always tell me about red flags. I think that's a red flag. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, she's not. Yeah. All right. And I did I did change things up just a little bit. Oh, I forgot to share what, what Dennis's response was. He said about visiting Santa Claus at the mall, he said, yes, many times with his brother up until about they were age seven or eight. He said, though, it might have been a local bank instead of the mall. So. Mm-hmm. I never did, as you see in all the movies, and in this one too, never anywhere did I ever go, which I always thought was so so much fun in A Christmas Story. I never went anywhere where Santa was on like this raised dais that then you had to like slide down a slide once you had seen him. Yeah, right. I was like, mm-hmm. where was the department store that did that? Because, I mean, they the, the Dillards in Mesquite, Texas certainly did not have that set up. Well, yeah, you got a slide out of the deal. It right. sounds like fun to me. Right. All right. So I, I did change I did change our, our question three just a little bit, kind of at the last moment. All right. so it, it would not be a 30-something movie podcast unless we devolved into the 30-something food. True. So as a Ben & Jerry's truck is prominently featured in this movie, what is your favorite flavor of Ben & Jerry's? One of the potential correct answers is yes. You, you wow, see, there you go. You yeah, have made this hard for me, but I think I'm going to go with Americone Dream. Ah, the Stephen Colbert flavor. Correct. Yes. It slightly wins out over One Sweet World only because of the crunchy cone bits. Okay. I like me some crunchy cone bits. Yeah, the... <laughs> The, the kids the kids thought it was awkward the one time I bought the uh, next Netflix and chilled ice cream. Understood. Yeah. They're like, Dad, like, it's ice cream. Leave it alone. I might be more of a traditionalist and uh, go with a simple flavor like a peanut butter cup. Oh, sure. I mean, it's not fancy. It, it doesn't have the corporate sponsorship of a Tonight Dough or Americone Dream or anything like that, but... I, uh, I do love me some uh, peanut butter and chocolate ice cream. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, flavor-wise, there is nothing wrong with what you have chosen. 
I could really blow people's minds and get the caramel, the caramel sutra core. Oh, I believe they sell that at Lollipop Lane. Yes, <laughs> I can almost guarantee you that. Although I'm looking at a list of all the flavors, and I'm like, there are a lot of flavors here that also feature cheesecake. I really yes. enjoy a good cheesecake. So wow. As you should. I'm like, caramel chocolate cheesecake. That sounds good. Cheesecake brownie. That sounds very good. What was the other one? Cookies Is and Is it cream? that we're debating that their flavors sound good? Like, I, I don't understand. No, I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to, like, figure out which one would be my favorite. And I'm looking at these and I'm going, um... I didn't know that existed. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting, right? When you start to evaluate that. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin cheesecake, strawberry cheesecake. All right. I think I'm like, I'm like getting like a second layer of diabetes just from reading this list. (laughs) I'm I'm incepting my diabetes with more diabetes. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So you did Americone dream. Yep. I'm going to go with the peanut butter cup one, although there are many other various and sundry options that sound really good. Patrick? I So, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording. I never had a ton of Ben and Jerry's. And I, you know, we'd always go to other ice cream places. Yeah. And I, I think when we buy ice cream... I, I don't know. I just, I remember people talking about it. I remember the different flavors. I always thought it was cool that like people had different flavors. And I know that they, even in like some of the Avenger movies, they kind of make comments about the different Avengers have their, their Ben and Jerry flavors and all that. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't know. I'm not familiar. Are I you, have if to you say. Were, if you were to go, if you had to go like more generic, just ice cream, yeah. it didn't have to be Ben and Jerry's. Are you more of a, are you more of a plain guy or do you like your ice cream to, to use a wonderful vocabulary word that was used in this movie? Do you like your ice cream festooned with toppings? <laughs> okay. So that's the interesting thing. Like I have a whole art when I make the ice cream, right? Uh, like I just, and especially I like going to those places like the frozen, the Froyo places and all that, where you can go and just put all the toppings in. You're, you're saying, and you, then you get the, you're, you're saying you make Froyo until someone dies. Exactly. And so like, that's kind of the thing. And so what I'll end up doing is, you know, I'll end up like hacking the bowl with all the different stuff I want in there. And then sometimes going a a more of a simple flavor because it complements what I put in the bowl. Uh Do you know what I'm saying? I really like like a really good vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Really like that one. I'm not so much with like chocolate, but I'm very much like mint chocolate chip okay. i'll do that because mm. that and again it's just it all you know how it blends with the toppings i tend to like more of like the fruit flavor as opposed to the cheesecake flavory kind of stuff mm-hmm. in ice cream and so a lot of times i'll like be like okay i'll have a scoop of vanilla and a scoop of mint chocolate chip and like two scoops of like a sherbet or something like that right because mm-hmm. i like a little bit of the fruity stuff. And then the guy gives me a look like you want all that together. He's like, yep. It all goes to the same place. Fired in there. Fire in the hole. 
That's right, man. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like the one oddball flavor that I really love, and it's not oddball, but it's just from all the other stuff I like with ice cream is the blue moon flavor. I love blue moon ice cream. My brother loves that stuff and I just can't do it. I'll, I'll go to town with blue. When my kids were just bringing it up, when my brother got married, it was over in Michigan and we went, it was hot summer and we were out doing something. It's like, Hey, let's go out for ice cream. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I don't get ice cream all the time. I'm going to get like a, you know what? I want two scoops. I want a double, you know? So I ordered a double cone of blue moon. Well, the way they measured it, like somehow each scoop was really two and a half. Ooh. So I ordered a double. Yeah, and buddy. I had five scoops of ice cream sitting on that cone and it was all blue moon. You know what I'm saying? And it was, oh, it was so good. I feel like but blue yeah, moon so- was, I feel like blue moon might've been a flavor that uh, there was an ice cream place that when we'd go up to Kenosha, Wisconsin, sometimes I feel like there was an ice cream place there. And I, I want to say one of the kids would always get the blue moon ice cream. Oh Yeah. Yeah, isn't, love uh, some isn't, blue moon. isn't blue moon when they make the because there was a place here locally in Lake Bluff, one of the other the towns nearby here, and they used to have a Superman ice cream. Isn't blue moon like the blue in Superman ice cream? As far so. as I recall, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you just eat around the chunks of Superman, and and yeah. you know you get the it's blue moon. Yeah, but the minty, yeah. So I guess I, I really I really like blue moon. Mm-hmm. You know, a second is the mint chocolate chip. Yeah. If I could just make my dream bowl of ice cream, it would be all the toppings and everything that I put in there just mixed with the vanilla. And I'd even like let it get down so the vanilla kind of melts around. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah. There's a whole art to how I make a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. No, that really sounds a lot more pretentious than it is. I'm really persnickety no. about the way I make my bowl of ice cream. That's fine. Yeah, you you make your ice cream however you want. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I I would like to specify, since since we're doing a bit of a deep dive here on the ice cream, I would like mm-hmm. to specify that while I while I chose what I chose as potentially my favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor, that by no means is my favorite ice cream. Like that's okay. that was just the Ben and Jerry's flavor. The correct answer on the best ice cream in the country is Bluebell ice cream, original. Oh. Homemade vanilla, except no substitutes. Bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream is, and that is the tagline for their company in the first place, the best ice cream in the country. All right, Bluebell. I, I, and I say nay, nay, the world. Ah. The world. Yes. Bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream, hands down. Spike the football, as, as our friend Jason Colvin is fond of saying. Bluebell homemade vanilla, final answer. No need to phone a friend. That's what it is. Radio legend, Chicago radio legend Steve Dahl also swears by the Bluebell ice cream. Does he really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. I like him even better now. <laughs> I want to state, was Bluebell the, the particular lineage of ice cream that we had over in Michigan when I started getting like the six scoops, five scoops when I ordered a, a large or whatever? That sounds awful familiar. I mean, I I would be a little surprised because... Oh, would you? Okay, maybe I'm I, off on that. I tend to have trouble finding it above the Mason-Dixon line. Indeed. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I'm just Steve Dahl always used to talk about having it shipped up from Florida. Yeah. Because that's where he got hooked, down at the Florida house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, just thinking of something else then. Yeah, because it's originally from Texas. So I, growing up, that, that was when we picked up ice cream at the store. 
that you got Bluebell. Like that's the only kind of ice cream we ever had. Okay. So it's originally from Texas, but yeah, if, I mean, I was even going to their website and like, if you look at the map, it's yeah. I mean, basically if, if you're a red state, apparently you're also a Bluebell state. There it is. So yeah, you look at the map and it's, there's not a whole lot. We used to get it occasionally when we would visit family in Missouri. There were a couple spots we could find that had it. And I'm looking at the map here and it looks like I would probably have to go to Indianapolis as my closest location to get some Bluebell ice cream. Okay. So... So fingers crossed, so- fingers crossed that it continues spreading north because I need more Bluebell in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's the best ice cream in the it world. It is the best ice cream in the country. In uh, the world. In the world, yes. In a world. Yeah. Where John hasn't had Bluebell in months. John might be going through a little bit of withdrawal the more we talk about it. But. I'm just saying some of our Italian listeners might have some gelato places that they might take you on with that. But I mean, That's I fine. get what you're saying. That's fine. And, and they're, they're free to feel that way. I will, I will happily throw down with a bluebell. Well, they can, they can argue all they want. I will sit there and instead of arguing stuff, my face with bluebell ice cream. Indeed. Right. Cause as one does, that's, that's how I roll. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ice cream pacifist. Yeah, I know more ice cream, more better, right? I, exactly. Because if, if there's some sort of ice cream competition, then there means that there has to be some sort of ice cream tasting test. Yes. You know, it's right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the situation where we all win. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is going to do it for all I want for Christmas. Frankly, all I want for Christmas is some bluebell ice cream, apparently. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. But our next few movies coming up, so this month of December, our Patreon, if you have not checked that out, why, why have you not checked that out yet? You should. And uh, hop on over there. Any amount that you join us on Patreon gets you access to all those bonus episodes. So for less than a cup of coffee a day, well, coffee's like, what is it now, like seven bucks a cup of coffee? It's yeah. insane. Oh, so way less. Doesn't stop me from doing it. But. Well, yeah, way less than the cost of a cup of... You can get access to some really great bonus content. And this month, we've got Eating Raul from 1982 is our bonus episode on Patreon. We have a couple of Patreon shorts, the little 15-minute episodes that we do. Christmas Story Christmas from this year and Conan the Barbarian. What is best in life is to become a co-executive producer on Patreon and get to listen to the Conan the Barbarian Patreon short episode. Mm -hmm. And then earlier this month, we had the Rocketeer 40th anniversary episode, Santa Claus the Movie, with our Patreon co-executive producer, Padraig, from Ireland. We had The Babe last week. This week was all I want for Christmas. Next week is Home Alone 2, Electric Boogaloo. And then on Christmas Day, a special unnamed bonus episode will be dropping on Christmas Day, which I think you will very much enjoy. Then we're finishing off the year with The Muppet Christmas Carol. Then we start the next year off with a bang. In January, our Patreon will be The Outsiders from 1983. Our Patreon shorts will be Mr. Mom from 1983. Patreon short, uh, the next one after that will be My Favorite Movies from 2022. I'll kind of go through some of the movies I saw in this last year and which ones I enjoy. I pretty much enjoyed them all. Might be a couple here and there, but... And then we start the year off with episode number 450, Jurassic Park. We spared no expense for that episode. Speaking of ice cream, there's a great ice cream scene. Speaking of ice cream, I feel like his ice cream would have been Bluebell. If he really spared no expense, he would have had it shipped to the island. So 
Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm no mathematician, and as we repeat our mantra on this podcast, is, it was my understanding that there would be no math. Thank you. If we're starting a 52-week year with episode 450, mm-hmm. does that mean what I think it means? You keep using that word. It's possible. Wow, that's frightening. It, it means possible. about a year from now yeah. should be right about episode 500. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Any yeah. thoughts? Any thoughts for the 500th anniversary there? The only thought I got is I'm coming for you, Nerdist. An hour of silence. Yes. We don't do anything. We don't do we don't do a blessed thing. <laughs> it's gonna be we're gonna make podcast history. We all just sit here and, and breathe into the microphone for an hour. Yep. <laughs> well, I, I think there's other podcasts that do that, but that's but. fair. <laughs> we would not be reinventing that one, would no. we? But I, I, I don't know that that's family friendly. I, I'm just I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's the most awkward ASMR podcast that's ever been made. <laughs> we, can, we can just, we can sit and like rub our stubble up against the microphone. There we go. Chef <laughs> would have to grow a beard though. Can you, can you, can you hear the, I, I don't have any fingernails and I've, I've got a, I've got like a, a cover on the microphone, so I can't really like tap the, wait, hold on. No, that's not working. We'll figure something out. <laughs> Okay. Speaking of Jeff. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with something for 500. That's crazy. Jeff and I are making a big push for Westerns. Yeah. And if that's maybe, if that's not 500, then maybe the. You were making a big push. Well, we already did 450, so I don't know. Well, and here's my thought. I I know with with schedules and everything else that, uh, you know, particularly with the pandemic, but then schedules and whatnot, we used to record these like live in the same room and, and Mm -hmm. it's much easier to do this over zoom with everything else. I think if we don't do it before, I think 500 needs to be us back in the same room together. Sure. That is, sure. that is a good call. I wasn't going to go far so far as to say that we rent out like the United center and do a live show, but at the awesome. very least, I think we need to sit around the table like the old times. And, and I mean, Pat, Pat needs a table to pound is what I'm saying. <laughs> And we I'm need to ask saying, if Mr. Miyagi is going to beat up Clubber Lang. Yeah, something. we could. I'm just saying, I sat on my hands and there was still a table being pounded by someone else, but they, they shall be going unnamed. They were really, you know what we could do in front of a live audience is we could. They were really excited about could, that movie. We could, we, we could, we could all get together and record live and make our families be the audience. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. That would be that. That would be outstanding. That would be awkward. Yeah, I know. That'd be classic. Yeah, it it would be funny. Yes. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if we unleash that kind of torture on them. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's it's worth it's worth a thought. I mean, we'll we'll ponder it. But yes, so sometime within the next year or so, we we will hit episode five hundred. That's just, uh, this is a, which is a little mind boggling. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. I am in a, in a state yeah. of shock by the general yeah. thought of that. Effectively boggled. Churning them out. Churning them out. All right. Well, as I said before, this, what we've got coming up. So 450 is Jurassic Park at the beginning of the year. And then uh, the next one is Matinee starring John Goodman, Free Willy, 
and then we wrap up the month of January with Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. So we have oh. all kinds of good stuff. I've I've never seen that one, so I'm excited to see it. Yeah, me neither. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I it's did. I hear, awesome. did I hear they're here. coming out. Did I hear they're coming out with a new Bruce Lee movie? Yeah, there's supposed to be a biopic of Bruce Lee. Yeah, I, I heard is that Ang Lee was going to have his son yeah. play Bruce Lee. And, yeah, I thought I heard something about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, yeah, when you end up watching it, whatever your opinion of the movie is, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Okay. Just so it's, you're, you know, so you're adequately prepared. It's, it's like the ice cream question. The best answer is yes. Yes. Okay. The answer is <sighs> yes. Well, if the, if the question is... Do we appreciate all of our listeners? Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, we the do. other question is, do we hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a very Merry Christmas? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. If the question is, do I appreciate both Bo and Pat being here with me? Yes, I do. We appreciate you, John. If the question is, should you go watch some good movies and be excellent to each other? The answer is yes, it is. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And yes, you should. And we'll see you back here next time. Will we see you back here next time? The answer is maybe. No, the answer is yes. Yeah, we hope you'll come back. Yeah, we we'll hope come you're back. not going to like just get frustrated I mean, leave in anger. I mean, we're coming back, but yeah. We'll be back. Yeah. I care. I care. All right. Everybody, have a good Christmas season. Have a good holiday season. And we will see you back here next week for Home Alone 2 Electric Boogaloo in New York. <laughs>